Today, the title of the message, if you take notes, is called, It's Harvest Time. Someone say, it's harvest time. Let's do it again. It's harvest time. You know, when you think about harvest, specifically, you know, in, in uh, times before us, biblical times, and even times before kind of the modern age, harvest time was a time of great joy. It really was. Because all the effort and everything that they put into throughout the summer season, and sometimes even planting things in autumn, you know, before, before the winter had happened, getting ready for things in the spring, all those things that, that they've worked so hard to, to, to plow and to make, to be able to live, the harvest comes up. There's something exciting whenever it just begins to break through the ground, right? You got these farmers, and all of a sudden it begins to break. It's, it's exciting, and they're watching it, and then God's working with them. Some farmers don't necessarily believe in God. It's kind of hard to believe that a farmer wouldn't believe in God, yeah. right? But some just, oh, whatever. Well, he brings the sunshine and the rain. I think I'll believe in him. But uh, it gets exciting when the heart is time to harvest. And there's a season to harvest. And it's exciting not only for a family that had put in the, the work and the effort to plant these seeds to be able to have a harvest, harvest. It's exciting for a community. I mean, there were great celebrations. You look out through the Bible, there were great celebrations. God ordained festivals around the harvest because it was a time of joy, dancing, celebration that God has provided for us. Amen? And man, I think, you know, it's harvest time right now. And sometimes, you know, throughout Scripture, Jesus many times would refer to, you know, looking out, the, out at the fields and just trying to relate. Look at all those fields. Look at all those crops that are out there. And trying to get people not just to see crops, the corn and the wheat and the barley and whatever was planted, but to see people. Because Jesus always wanted us to have a, really, a, a mass mind. We're always thinking about the masses, the, the, the huge amount of people out there that don't know who he is, but need to know who he is, what he's done, and what's available to them. That's the gospel in a nutshell. Who Jesus is, what he's done, and what's available to everyone who will believe. And Jesus would give those pictures about the harvest. He would, he would paint pictures throughout Scripture. You would see about the oceans and the waters or the sound of many waters. And it would refer to like as of people coming together, even the sound of many waters, multitudes of people speaking the same thing. And the Bible actually says at the end of a revelation, the spirit and the bride say come. You ever been in a crowd when, the, when it's all, they're all saying the same thing, like a huge crowd to a stadium or something? You know, whatever, be a, I know around here it'd be like, school, 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 right? Whatever, but whenever there's, it's just something about whenever a huge crowd is saying the same thing, it almost sounds like just water. It's just, man, God wants us to see the big picture that the harvest is ready. And I, he, he painted that picture, and you know, this is, this is one of the pictures that he painted whenever he was uh, waiting at the, uh, at the well of Samaria. Remember that? He was, he was going to Samaria. He told his disciples, it, it's, we must go through Samaria. He said, I have to go through Samaria. And uh, he went and sat on the well, and he said, you guys go, and you go get some food and everything, and I'm just going to sit here and rest a while. And he, as he was resting, the lady came. You know the story of, of the, the woman at the well, and he began to, to speak over, over her and actually transformed her life. She goes back to the city and begins to tell them. They come out. The whole city's transformed. Praise God. It's a great place to praise the Lord anyhow. A whole city's transformed. And when the disciples came back, they saw him talking to this lady. And they didn't like what was going on. And, and he said to them, the harvest is ripe and ready. 
Don't think that you need to wait three or four months down the road. Look up. The fields are white for harvest right now. Everywhere we go, the fields are ripe for harvest. Especially after this pandemic, the fields are ripe for harvest. God can take things that the enemy has tried to do and turn it around for his glory. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that so awesome? I mean, the devil can't do anything that he's not allowed to do. And, and God in his sovereignty, the enemy sometimes thinks he's got the upper hand and then God just flips the switch and said, that was so funny. You never, it's like a trick. You know, you see a cat always doing the same thing and it is over and over again. God flips the switch. You thought you had it again, but you don't. I'm in control. I'm going to turn this around for my glory. Amen. So I kind of want to, I want to paint a picture here of, of the people for the harvest and, and, and just kind of relating that it is harvest time. Jesus telling us it's time to really wake up and look around because the fields are ready for harvest. There's one scripture um, that really ministered to me many years ago um, whenever I was a youth pastor in, in Florida, our church uh, in Florida where we come from. And this scripture, just really God used this scripture to really let me know that it was my responsibility um, to be ministering to people and, and spreading the gospel. This is from Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 24, listen to this. Go and rescue the perishing and be their savior. Why would you stand back and watch them stagger to death? And why would you say, but it's none of my business? The one who knows you completely and judges your every motive is also the keeper of souls and not just yours. He sees through your excuses and holds you responsible for failing to help those whose lives are threatened. Man, that got a hold of me one, one year whenever I read that. Man, we, we're responsible to be able to minister to our generation. I think it was Keith Green is the one who said, each generation is responsible for the souls in that generation. It's our responsibility to be able to speak. And that's the why behind the harvest. It's harvest time. Why do we want to get so concerned about the harvest? Because of all the people that don't know the Lord and the responsibility that we have as children of God to spread his good news to all the people who don't know who he is. Amen? That's why we're doing kind of our theme this year. Who's next? We're asking, who do you want me to go to, Lord? What's keeping me from, from speaking your message to these people and bringing your love to them? Give me something to give to them, Lord God. And then being obedient to do what he says to do. Amen? So I want to take from our text today, I want to look at Matthew uh, chapter 9, and we're going to go at the end of chapter 9 and go into the beginning of chapter 10. But I love this portion of scripture, and we're going to kind of see how Jesus uh, was really training up his, his disciples to catch people, uh, to bring in the harvest, and we'll glean from that this morning. So in Matthew chapter 9, verse number 35, it says this, and Jesus went throughout the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. When he saw the fields, when he saw the harvest, he had compassion for them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless, weary and abandoned like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, you see, Jesus had, he began to teach, he began to proclaim, he began to heal, he began to look at the crowds, his heart got moved because they were like sheep without a shepherd. There's so many people 
that needed to be taught. So many people that didn't know the truth. And he wanted them to know it. And he looked at his disciples and he said this to them. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, our harvest field is right here, Alexandria and the surrounding cities. This is our harvest field. The Lord spoke to us throughout the years. He started with 30 miles, 60. Uh, now we're at, uh, the last thing he said was about a year or two ago, a 100 plus mile radius. He says he's given us influence in a 100 plus mile radius. So our harvest field is a 100 plus mile radius that we have to be able to bring in and to be obedient to God. And I like this because he got moved with compassion and then he begins to ask them to pray for the Lord, you know, to, to send out laborers. That word laborers, it means to toil. There's work involved. But I saw this for the first time. It also means to teach. The teachers are few. Those to sit down and really explain about the things of the kingdom of God, to really take time to explain who Jesus is to people who don't know. You know, we, uh, the older generation, we were kind of brought up as in, you're just told what to do and you just do it. You just do it. The younger generation that's here now, my children and the ones that are coming up, they don't want to be told what to do, but they are willing to say, hey, show me what to do. Let's do it alongside one another. And that was the principle that Jesus used. When we talked about last week, he said, come, first the invitation, follow me, become my disciple. Let me teach you and I will show you how to catch people. And then we see him doing all these wonderful things. They related, was able to see Jesus relate with people, his demeanor, how he took care of people, every situation that was coming in upon him. And Jesus was a busy man. Can you say amen? Anybody that thinks he's busy, Jesus was a busy man. Crowds following, just wanting to touch him is to be healed. So I kind of want to touch on, on three things here. Uh, before we go on, he talked about, you know, that labors, that teachings, teachers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly, Lord of the harvest, to send out. That word send out literally means, the literal translation of that is to thrust force or to cast out. It's actually the same cast out as it is that Jesus is used when he cast out demons from other people. There's, there's a forcefulness to it. Sometimes, yeah, let's be honest, sometimes we almost need to be forced in a position where we'll share our faith. Come on, let's just be honest. And God will do that because he needs laborers thrust out. He needs them forced out. He'll get us in positions. And, and you just want to go into the grocery store and you just want to be by yourself. And I just want to get a bag of rice and go home. Right? And someone comes up and they begin to talk to you. And they seem to be really open. It's just not your, your average chit-chat. It's just this person is really open. Why? Because they need someone to talk to. And God is forcing you into a situation to be able to minister to them. How many, have you ever been somewhere where you, you, you uh, knew uh, that moment was there and you felt like you needed to say something to somebody and then you find yourself leaving that moment and you're in the parking lot? Come on, have you been there? I've been there. You've been in the parking lot, and the Holy Spirit just won't leave you alone. You're in the parking lot, but your spirit man is still in Walmart or wherever it's at. Because God's saying, oh, we ain't done yet. You still got one more thing to put in the bag. <laughs> right? You're like, darn it, you got that choice. Am I going to be obedient or not? God, I want to be obedient. You can never grow past your obedience. 
I want to be obedient, even when it's uncomfortable. There's going to be times when you're uncomfortable doing what God asks you to do. The majority of the time, you're probably going to be uncomfortable to do what God asks you to do. Come on now. You know why? God taught this to me a long time ago. Whenever I was a traveling minister, the main reason he had me travel is to teach me this. It will always take God's ability to do God's will. If you can do it on your own, you wouldn't need him. And he gets you to a place where you're uncomfortable in the flesh, but you're not uncomfortable in spirit. If we just check into our spirit, man, it is not uncomfortable in our spirit. Our spirit man is holding up the sign. It's harvest time, right? The spirit man is excited. I got the, I got the sickle ready. Let's go. Let's bring it in. But our minds get there. That's why we ask that question, Lord. And to be serious, you have to check your own heart. God, what is keeping me? What fear, and it's usually a fear or a lie, what fear is keeping me from stepping out and loving on people and sharing the gospel message of Jesus, who he is, what he's done, and what's available to them? I feel like we still need to slow down just a little bit more. I know the pandemic had us slow down a little bit in life, which was a good thing, right? Because families begin to come closer together. People who was just so busy about things and even in their own families, they, they were just so busy to even gather together. Now we're in a sense forced to gather together, really, you know, in those small confined places. And, and you begin to reassess what's really important in life. And if you don't know already, I can tell you this right now. Relationships are the most important thing in life. Outside of Jesus, we're not talking outside of the Lord. Relationships are the most important thing. Because, you know, if we say that we're connected with God, but we're not connected with people, we're only deceiving ourselves because you can't be connected to God and not connected to people. He said, if you, if you, you know, if you can't love your brother whom you can see, how can you love God whom you cannot see with your natural eye? But the more you behold him, the scripture says, the more you behold him, the more you can become like him. The more I see just like the disciples did, how Jesus laid hands on people, how he took a moment whenever they didn't understand. It was like, no, get those kids out of here. They're just a distraction to Jesus. And Jesus was like, what? No, let the little children come to me. This, this is what the kingdom of God is. This is all about the kingdom of God. Let them come. And they're like, what, what, okay. And Jesus just probably getting down. Just, oh, hey, little buddy, buddy. We got this thing that me and Silas, it's funny. Um, it's from Version Bible app, and they have a kid's version. So we go through that, takes them through the whole Bible. It's really good for like a kid's version. It has like interactive stuff. You, you can read it. It'll read it to you. It's got little games that go along with it and stuff. But it's really fun. It's educational in scripture. And they show Jesus so fun and lighthearted. Like there's one time he's with the kids and there's an apple that falls off the tree and Jesus grabs it. And he like whips it around his, his back like it's going to come to the kid. He's like, ah. He's like, oh, go, 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 go. And then he throws it to the kid again, you know, and the kid grabs it. Just fun. I'm sure Jesus had fun with those kids. And we make ministries too serious. We make family too serious. We make life too serious, right? That's kind of like that scripture this morning that Natasha hadn't shared with us. We draw out of, with joy, we draw out of the wells of salvation. The joy of the Lord is our strength, as Rebecca shared. Man, when Jesus taught, I don't think, he, we already know the scripture says he did not teach like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That's why the Sadducees were sad. They were sad, you see, right? You ever hear that joke before? And the Pharisees, they were only fair, but we are of the spirit of the Lord. So we're happy and we're joyful. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. So I want to touch on three things here real quick. Um, how Jesus really went about us talking about he, 
He went and, and taught in their synagogues. One translation says he went uh, in, in, in their meeting houses. And he just met because, you know, whenever, I mean, yeah, he went and he went to the synagogues and he would teach in the synagogue, but he would also go to their homes. A lot of the healings and stuff that happened too were in the homes. He was at Mary and Martha's home or he was at, at um, Simon's home or wherever they were. They were just there, Matthew's home. He was just doing things wherever he was. And the Bible says this, you'll see these three things come up all the time. And this is what I want you to notice, that he taught them, he proclaimed, and he healed. He taught he proclaimed and he healed. So Jesus, when he taught, that word taught means to impart instruction, to instill doctrine. There's some doctrine there. You got the doctrine of Jesus Christ, right? The doctrine of the kingdom of heaven. To explain or expound. You know, good teachers don't give you the answers. Good teachers will lead you to discover the answers. A lot of times when Jesus is teaching them, he's leading them. He, he, he's, the majority of the time when someone asks him a question, he asks them a question back. Because he's trying to get, he wants you to know. He don't, he don't want to give you something that you don't know anything about. He wants you, he's, he's desiring for you. God desires for us to earnestly desire him in his ways. So Jesus, as a good teacher that he is, He's prompting you and, and leading you to places to dig deeper into who he is and not just to look for the quick answer, the quick fix. There's things that we know. We just don't need a quick fix sometimes. What we need is a greater revelation of God in every situation and everything that we're going through. What we really need is a greater revelation of God because when we get a greater revelation of who he is, that revelation of who he is will help us the next time we go through a crisis or a hard spot. If he just gives me finances because I'm in a financial situation, I can say praise the Lord. But if I don't know he's my provider, the next time it comes around, I'm going to be going to him again looking for a quick fix. But if I know that he's my provider, then in honor of him, of what he has taught me as teacher to pupil or student, I can say, you've taught me this principle. I will activate what I need to activate to see this happen again because the principle works whenever I apply it. And I put my faith on the fact that you are faithful. You will provide for me financially. You'll bring it in. You did it before. You'll do it again because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that teaching, what he teaches you, it's not just for that one thing. It's for everything else in life. Using your faith for finances is the same as using your faith for healing or using your faith for, for salvation of lost loved ones. Faith is faith. It's the same principle. You have to activate it. We just activate those muscles in different areas more than others. So when it comes to believing for a healing, we have a little more time because we haven't exercised our faith as much in believing for healing. The only way to get out there to have faith for believing for healing is to start exercising that faith muscle. And we do what the Bible says, right? He taught, Jesus proclaimed, and he healed. I remember some friends of ours uh, would come over. Um, uh, Joey, he was here before we first moved, helped me move here, but Joey Amendola. And he was such a challenging friend in a good way. Not challenging like he's a challenging friend. No, just kidding. Uh, he was a challenging friend in a good way because he would, it's like we, when you spent time with Joey, the next couple days afterwards, you were still thinking about the conversations because they challenged you to make you go deeper. Not about what didn't challenge me about him. It challenged me to begin to ask questions so I would be able to dig things out in scripture. 
And one of the times he came to our house and we had food because that's what you do. It's fun to have food whenever you're around each other, right? But we'd have conversation and just talking about, you know, what, what's God? What's God saying to you? What's in your heart right now? What's he been speaking to you this season? And just hearing, it's kind of fun too when you do that. Hearing, you can kind of see the, the web that God has or that tapestry. It's weaving. Oh, he's speaking out over here and he's been speaking out over here because God is saying something. I'll give you an example real quick and I'll get back to Joey. So right now there's a lot of leaders that, you know, out there that are, are good Christian godly leaders that are writing these books. It's kind of funny, the tapestry is being built. There's so many books right now that are, have just come out that have to do with exposing lies and believing the truth. Why? Because God is saying something in the earth. He don't want his children believing lies. He wants his children believing the truth. I just noticed this this last week. I'm, whoa, I've been reading... Hey. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, he wants us to be able to believe his truth. And then as we have the truth, to be able to take it to others. Amen. So Jesus taught them. And whenever Joey was in our house, kind of getting back to that story, finish it up, he asked us the one time when me and Natasha were sitting there and our kids would be around playing. They were younger then. But he said, um, do you see things in the Bible that you believe that God still does but you don't see them today. I said, well, yeah. He said, why not? Why don't you see them today? Why don't you see, if you believe that belongs to you in the Bible, why don't you see that happening in your life? Do you believe the Bible's true? Well, yeah, I believe the Bible's true. Okay, so it's not the Bible's fault. It's not God's word. It's the living word of God. So he's not an heir. So what's going on? And it just began to get me to dig into my own faith. Why don't I see these things happening? In my life, Lord. It's not a condemnation. It's not to bring condemnation. Teachers, if a teacher brings condemnation, they're not a teacher. They're a critic. Come on now. A teacher is there to affirm and to help. It, God never will lead us anywhere and condemn us in that way. He's there to get us to search. But we, gotta, we have to get rid of that lie whenever God goes to correct us and tries to get us to learn something deeper in him that it's not condemnation because that's not scriptural. God does not condemn people. Jesus himself said, I'm not coming to condemn any people. He says, what's going to happen is in the end, the words that I speak will condemn you because you choose not to believe. There's only three things that I can see in Scripture that hinder our faith. Three things. One is unbelief. If I have unbelief, you know, sometimes we say we need more faith, and really sometimes we need less unbelief. Because the Bible says you know, all you need is a seed, a, a faith is the side of a mustard seed. Sometimes we need less unbelief. The other thing is unforgiveness. You, you can't have unforgiveness in your heart and walk in faith. It won't happen. You can deceive yourself all you want. But if you have unforgiveness in your heart, that is going to keep you back from you, your faith being able to be utilized, which taps into God, which pleases him too, right? By faith, we know that it pleases him. And the other thing is uh, we're not walking in love. The Bible clearly says faith works by love. So we constantly got to check our love walk. And our love walk can be off in so many ways. It could be the way that I'm speaking to somebody. I could say the right things but say it the wrong way. And I can still be wrong, right? So those are things that kind of, that was, I didn't even have that in my notes. That was, you just guys are drawing that out for me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So. Jesus taught, he brought revelation, he helped people understand who the Father really is. He proclaimed, that word proclaim means this, to declare openly something that has been done. 
been done. He is declaring publicly something that has already been done. The kingdom of God is among you, right? The kingdom of God is here. He's proclaiming those truths. And I remember there was a, a, a lady that came to our church uh, a while back. I believe she still lives in the area, but uh, she came to our church a while back. And there was one time, this is when we was in the other building, one time during a service, um, she was just tormented by some spirits. I don't, think she, I don't necessarily think she was possessed, but she was tormented by some spirits. And uh, she had this mocking spirit that began to, as I was speaking, began to mock and say things during the service, just speak it out. And I let it go for the first couple times, and then I stopped, we stopped and we dealt with what was going on. And she herself even said, I don't know what's happening right now. What's going on? We dealt with that. It was gone. We went on. Well, short time later... It all has to do with proclaiming the word. You're proclaiming the truth of what has already happened. She called me on the phone and just, just really, just, just, real full. she was anxious. Just, you know, she's driving. She was really anxious and all these thoughts were coming to her and she didn't know what to do. And I just, by the presence of God, thank the Lord. You know, you ask God, what do I do? I don't know. Show me what to do, Holy Spirit. And the Lord said, begin to speak over her. Just begin to proclaim over her. And I said her name and I said, I said, so-and-so, Listen. That is not the truth. This is what the word of God says. And I began to speak that word over her. And if she would come back with something that was not scriptural, I'd say, no, that's a lie. We bind that up in the name of Jesus. And all I did was just speak the word over her, just washing her. And all of a sudden, she began to calm down. And she said, I feel better now. It, 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 it's gone. It's past. I was like, praise the Lord. She's like, what was that? I said, just the enemy. You know, we can all sit here and think that we don't get attacked by the enemy, but the attacks of the enemy is real. Why? Because he's a real enemy. And he attacks right here. And there are times I've had attacks in my life that were so big, so hard in my mind. It was all, it was, it's literally impossible to fight it with your mind. You cannot fight an attack of the enemy in your mind with your mind. You have to fight it with your spirit connected to the spirit of God. And what you do is you speak the word. I've had it hit my mind so much, it was like, I felt like I was going mad sometimes. Crazy. Ever been there? I mean, just literally, you know it's an attack. This is demonic. And sometimes it would get there where it would almost be on your heart. You just, your heart feels so heavy like it could just break or you could just die. The only thing that brought relief to me in those times was to proclaim. To proclaim, you have to open your mouth. And if you want to come against those things that are coming against you in a spirit world that are of the enemy, knowing that I've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness, I am not part of that kingdom anymore. And if you're in Christ, you are not part of that kingdom anymore. He may lie to you, but you are not. You've been transferred by Jesus Christ into the kingdom of light. And he'll try to throw those flaming darts at you from the darkness into the light. But if I hold up my faith, the Bible says, I'll quench every flaming dart of the enemy. Amen? But I have to proclaim. You can't do it in your mind. You have to speak it out. And can I say this? You need to get a little loud. And I know that's hard for Scandinavians. Unless you are in the big bull with purple everywhere. And then Scandinavians just, ah, right? Listen, you are worth fighting for. You are worth fighting for. You are enough alone. You alone are enough for Jesus to come and die on the cross. You are worth fighting for. So fight for yourself by 
speaking out God's word over your situation. Recognize whatever that lie is and speak God's truth. But you know what? In order to find his truth, you're going to have to get into his word. It just you got to get in his word. That's why we say study the word of God. Get in there. Highlight it. Do whatever. Get in there. Write it down on, on cards if you got to, to have those things there. Sometimes you have to meditate on things over and over and over and over again. Sometimes it seems so redundant. It's like, really, again? I mean, I couldn't just do it two times and it's over? Come on. Well, God's not interested in just getting done and being done with. He wants you to know how to use the weapons that he's given you. Because there will be an enemy as we climb up higher in the things of God. There will be enemies that you face that you need to have been able to defeat confidently the ones before so that you will be able to handle the challenge of the ones that are coming. Come on. If I can't beat these ones and I'm going to go challenge something else, do you think you're going to win or I'm going to win? No, I've got to be able to defeat them and I only can defeat them with the word of God. And if I'm using the word there, all I'm doing is when I come against this new giant, I'm remembering all the little giants that were there before that God defeated through his word in my mouth, in your mouth. Amen? So he proclaimed. And then the Bible says, Jesus healed. I mean, no, no wonder people were following him everywhere. He was taking time to explain things to him. <laughs> I mean, taking time, really, he listened. A teacher listens, not just speaks. He's listening to the people. He's explaining things to them. He's imparting into them truth. He's giving them kingdom knowledge. And when you have knowledge, you, you're, you really, someone said, you know, like, you know, being a reader, when you, when you have knowledge, the more knowledge you have, it, it really advances, it increases your worth, not, you know, in a sense of a worth, because now I have more that I can help other people with. The more I know, the more it's not just for me, the more I can help somebody. I've been through that. I walked through that. I heard about this. And you know, there's, there's people you probably got in your life that just know so much. It's like, I don't know. Let me ask so-and-so. They know so much. Do you know somebody? You know about this? Yeah, I know somebody. Right? He proclaimed, and then he healed. I like what it, the, the Passion's translation says it this way. Wherever Jesus went, he demonstrated God's power. I like that. Wherever he went, he demonstrated God's power. That word heal means this, to serve, to care for, to give attention to, to wait upon. You don't think about healing in the sense of those first, that was actually the first definition there in the Greek going to it. To serve, to care for, to give attention to, to wait upon. And then it goes into to relieve, to heal, cure, and restore to health. You know, one of the best ways that you can exercise your faith is just to offer prayer to people. I, I, I'm trying to get better at this myself and seizing every opportunity. When you hear something or you hear someone, is just like Jesus, he saw the people and he saw them harassed. The only one who harasses is the devil. He saw them harassed. He saw them abandoned with no one to teach them. And he felt compassion, so he acted. When we go out somewhere, it don't take long to pray for somebody. And you're just really, I'm just, I'm doing the first step by saying, Jesus, I'm going to step out and believe that you want to touch this person because for whatever reason, they began to open up about a situation and that situation does not line up with what's happening in their lives with the kingdom of God. So let me bring a little bit of heaven to them right now by your spirit. Can I pray for you? If they say no, that's okay. You don't have to pray for them then. You just pray for them when you're walking away. I don't need to, no, I'm going to pray for you because the Lord told me. Get over here. Ha! No, you don't do that. 
Anybody that's refused prayer, I still prayed for them. I just didn't get the opportunity to lay hands on them. And if you feel that you need to lay hands, is it okay if I touch you? Can I just, can I put my hand on your shoulder? Especially if you're guys, you mean you want to like touch a shoulder or, or maybe you can hold a hand or something like that. But, uh, but you just pray for them and be surprised at how and expectant of how God would just begin to show you things to be able to pray for them. And you may feel something, you may not feel something, but they may be like, that's exactly what I needed. It's exactly, thank you for taking the time. You may never see them again on this earth, but you did what God the Father wants you to do. You took a moment, right? If there comes an opportunity to be able to teach or proclaim, then you can do that as well. Most people don't know the truths of the kingdom of God. That's why we have to take time. And the last thing that Jesus did was that he sent. And we see this. I just love this. He's going through. He talked about, you know, the scriptures, and he began to see the, the, the people, and he felt compassion for them. So he told his disciples, you know, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his field. And the very next verse, chapter 10, says this, Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. But someone says, but pastor, that was the 12 disciples. Okay, let's deal with this. It wasn't just for the 12 disciples. This is for every believer. I'm only going to give you two for the sake of time. Here's what Jesus said in Mark chapter 16. These These miracle signs will accompany those who believe. What did it say? Those who believed. They will drive out demons. Who will? Those who believe will drive out demons in the power of his name. They will, those who believe, speak in tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking uh, anything poisonous. They will lay hands on the sick and heal them. Okay, pastor, but he's still, it's the disciples that are there. Yeah, we know it was a 12, and of course Judas is gone, but the 120 that was up there, they're going to be going into the upper room. We know it was only them. Well, Jesus said in John 17, 20, Father, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also all who will ever believe in me through their message. I'm not praying just for the disciples here. I'm praying for everyone who will ever believe in me. Believe what? Believe who he is, what he has done, and what is available to any person who will believe. I'm praying for Father God for everyone who will believe in me through their message. Because I'm coming to be with you. And you are all a product of the message that was spread by the disciples. Back however many years ago, we're all products of that. And many of you look at these scriptures and maybe you haven't experienced all that. I can go through here and check things off. Not only do I believe it's for them, I know it's for me. I've seen uh, the Lord cast out demons. It's awesome to see someone get set free. I've spoken in tongues. I've been protected by snakes. I was a surveyor in Florida in the swamps for almost 11 years. I can't tell you the times that I almost stepped on a poisonous snake, but nothing hurt me. I mean, I literally like, oh, whoa, snake. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. And usually my guys, when I got in the swamp water, because I sometimes have to get the swamp water up here, and the scariest one I was ever in was, it was like a swamp up to here, and there was lily pads everywhere. So you couldn't even see the surface of the water. It's just lily pads. And then you're in there, and it's just dense, hundreds, thousands, of whatever acres. There's nothing around you. And you're in there. Why, yeah, why do we need to go in there? That's why I asked my boss. Why do I need to go in there? I mean, why do I really got to go back there a 1,000 feet? But we do. So we go in and, and put our markers and stuff down, and you'd hear something splash in the, in the far distance. 
This is where I got, you know, uh, some of my faith over fear. Because <laughs> I've seen large reptile figures <laughs> in the waters. And I remember this one, and I remember just getting in, and we and we'd, we'd go to start walking through it, and the lily pads would just go, and this whole thing of lily pads is like, what? And the guys are like up on my back, because they don't know the Lord, but they know that I know the Lord. So they're like literally tripping on me, like, what are you doing? Back up. He's like, hey, man, I know you're with Jesus, and if you're, I, I want to be close to you. I guess it works. <laughs> it worked for Paul, right? But I want you to see, as we're closing, that what Jesus did and when he sent them, it wasn't just for his disciples, nor was it just for Jesus. God has done enough in you already that you can teach other people what he has already taught you. And we're not taking it just from an experience thing. It's things that you've experienced in him, yes, but we're not just teaching experiences. We're teaching things that he taught. They line up with scripture. Your experience don't dictate to Scripture. Scripture validates your experience. So you don't say, I've had an experience, and this is of God, and there's nothing that lines up with Scripture about that experience. I go to the Scriptures and find out. Does that line up with Scripture? Because I've come to the conclusion in my heart that if, any, if anyone is going to lie between the Scriptures and myself, it's going to be me. So I've decided whatever the word says, for me, you have to make that own decision for yourself, that that is the truth. And I have to line up myself with the word. And if what I've experienced does not line up with the word, then what I experienced was not from the Lord, and I'm not going to put value in it. I'm going to put value in that which the Spirit of God is validating from the word of God. Can you say amen? So this is the message, last scripture. This is the message that he told his disciples. You go down a couple verses. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 10, 7, preach this message. Heaven's kingdom realm is accessible, close enough to touch. I love that. It's not some far off thing anymore. Jesus already did what he was meant to do. He's already in heaven. He had already accomplished everything he ever needs to accomplish to fulfill all that God wants to do in the earth but he wants to do it through us. And we bring his kingdom to people. Heaven's realm, this is what we're preaching. Heaven's kingdom realm is accessible. It's close enough to touch. You can experience it. I love this. You must continually bring healing to lepers and to those who are sick and, and make it your habit to break off the demonic presence from people. Man, there has been such a demonic presence over this last year. Even in the beginning of this year, if you didn't recognize it, there was just such a heaviness. And we're still dealing with some heaviness. We broke off some things this morning in prayer. Some heaviness. Not that, you know, any of us kind of walking in just all heavy, but just there's such an onslaught of the enemy. And if we don't know who we're called to be, we're going to have a hard time breaking into the next level that God has for us. But if we do, and we believe he has it for us, we can step through. It doesn't mean we're not going to have resistance, Right? The Bible says, resist the devil. So that means he's bringing something against us. I have to resist him. But before I can resist him, the scripture says, submit to God. Resist the devil. See, people try to go resist the devil without submitting to God. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. That's a promise. If I'm submitted to God, so what I need to check is not, well, why isn't this working? Is this still connected? Why isn't this working? Is this still connected? 
I need to submit to God. And then the enemy will flee. So make it your habit to break off the demonic presence off of people and raise the dead back to life. I never raised the dead yet, but I want to. Come on. It's possible. Jesus gave, he gave us the possibility. He's showing us vision that we haven't got to yet, right? Maybe you have, praise the Lord. But it, it's a possibility. And I, I, I'm excited for those times. And here's what he said, ending this, ending this up. Freely you have received the power of the kingdom, so freely release it to others. You freely, you didn't, God didn't charge you anything to get it. He freely gave it to you. You just received it. So you can't charge anybody else for it. You can't manipulate anybody else for it, right? I mean, people come up, some things can be strange. I've heard it ministers, you know, and this kind of strange thing. Someone pray for them, they want to give them money. No, 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 you don't, don't pay me from praying. No, we don't do that. God just wants to touch you. He wants to bless you. Why? Because he loves you. Let's get down to the truth of this thing. The Father loves Let me teach you a little bit about it. Let me declare some truth. Now, that's not the truth. Let me declare to you what the truth is. This is what the truth is. And you're not condemning them. You are showing them what's available to them. Amen? And then you lead them there. Let me pray for you. Let me just lay hands on you. Let's believe God together for this. God is in the miracle working business, and he wants to use every single one of us to do his work in the earth. Amen? Would you stand up this morning?